you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 2? And remember, if you don't have a physical Bible, you can download our app again. We talk a lot about our app because really that is... For our church family, that is where you find all the information. You sign up for our events on the app. You can read the Bible on our app. You can get our study notes and watch sermons from our app. But I love the physical Bible because I love to underline in my Bible and, um, and reference back to it. But in Matthew chapter 2, we're going to be reading here about... Um, about Joseph. Joseph is, is uh, Mary's husband, a guy that doesn't get talked about an awful lot. And yet we find that, sorry, Matthew chapter one is where we're going to be. Matthew chapter one. We don't find that people are talking about him a lot because we don't know a lot about him. We, we know his parents. We don't know how old he is. Everybody loves to speculate how old Joseph is. And I'll get into that in a moment. But, but he is a pivotal character in the nativity um, story, the, the real historical story of Jesus' birth. I think sometimes because we retell this story that somehow it can feel like this is like fairy tale or made up, or, but these are historical figures. These people walked the earth. They, were, um, they had families. They... They were a part of God's divine story that was unfolding. I'm going to start in verse 16 because this is the best account of what we know of Joseph. And now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. This is Matthew chapter 1, verse sorry, 18. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, so they were engaged, not yet married. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Right, so they weren't together, they were engaged, but they were pure from um, any, um, yes, okay, moving on. Together she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, here we go, Joseph, being a just man, here's some characteristics of him now, being a just man, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So, so here he's now saying, okay, I'm not going to make a big deal of this. Now this, re, this word divorce is, um, is realizing that this betrothal period, in Jewish culture, it was a time that, remember, there were prearranged marriages that, um, that parents would, without the kid's consent, would determine who's going to marry who. How many kids would like your parents to do that for you? <laughs> right? Would you like that to, to have your parents decide who you're going to marry? Would you like that? Probably not. But back then, culturally, that's what you did. And then there was a dowry, and you actually had to, um, people had to pay money for you, which today we'd probably say that's slavery. I'm not too sure, modern day uh, human trafficking. Um, but, but in essence, there's a dowry that they're engaged. And so here they are. So they can actually, it's, a, it's an engagement period to find out to, to say, okay, is there purity in the relationship? And nobody has other relationships that they, any secrets are going to come forward. And here, maybe this is Joseph like, maybe I'll just divorce her. In other words, I'll, I'll break off the engagement quietly and I'll go my own way. He didn't want to put her to shame. So he, was, he cared about her. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Son of David, now here's, here's this 
lineage part of Joseph. He is actually in the lineage of King David. If you do any research, and I'm not going to get into today, it's really fascinating to see the lineage of Joseph coming back into um, this, all the way going back to King David. He says, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, says the angel, Joseph, son of David. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken in the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. What can we learn from this man, Joseph? What can we learn? I think in relationship to our society today, I think Joseph's story is probably most connecting to us to realize that Joseph, who saw that God wanted to do something very spectacular in Mary's life, birth the savior of the world, Joseph had to humble himself and realize that he wasn't going to be center stage to the story. The idea realized that, that he was really actually to come alongside and support Mary and to support this call that Mary had in her life. And today, you know, the, the scripture says that in the last days, people will be lovers of themselves. We're very narcissistic. We want everything to resolve, revolve around us. And even so, of things of God, we feel like our calling is to like, I want to do so, something so amazing for God. And realize maybe there's something so amazing that you could be doing for God is actually supporting God birthing a miracle in somebody else's life. So, and maybe you aren't the star of the story. Maybe your star is a supporting role or your role is a supporting role in the story of God's unfolding. Because remember, the star of the story always is God, central, Jesus, Christ, and the work of the Holy Spirit. But I think in, in, our, in our narcissistic or our very self-centered society, we feel like, wait a second, I want everything to even be around me, even about my calling, right? We say it's my calling, and what if we realize oh, we need to have our eyes picked up and, and look around us to say, God, you are, what are you doing in somebody else's life and how do I come alongside that? I'm dropping a few seeds early on for us to consider that. So Joseph's steadfast support of Mary amidst a perplexed circumstance is really fascinating to me. He knew, like what we talked about with Mary, he knew that the ramifications of him um, being with Mary, meaning marrying her and not having a relationship with her, not having sexual relations with her, would bring on all kinds of um, speculations, challenges, and probably ridicule um, from their community. But he was willing, even though he considered, hey, maybe I should just quietly divorce her. And by the way, the, the why wasn't about himself, I think sometimes we hear that, and it's like, you know, I don't want shame on me, or I don't want, I don't want people to think I've, I've done something wrong. But he actually, he, he said, I want to do this because I care for Mary. I don't want to bring any shame on her, which showed a lot of character that he had. And, and I, I, I love looking at Joseph's life because he, for him to sustain what God was going to do through Mary's life 
And in birthing Jesus, Joseph was critical to make that happen. And yet he's the supporting role in that. My question is, what is God doing in people around you? And maybe do we need to focus on how do I need to have character and integrity to, to allow God to work through somebody else's life that I don't become an obstacle for, especially husbands and wives. This is a great example for you. That are you willing to die to yourself? Are you willing to say, you know, not my will, but God, your will be done and, and have discernment to see what God is doing in and through our spouse's lives and then come alongside and support that. So, but despite the initial confusion and probable personal turmoil, Joseph determined to protect Mary in that process. Joseph determined to protect her. And so, again, he showed this idea that, that he wanted to shield Mary from any public condemnation. And so he, he had this character of deep care and concern, more for her than for himself. And have you, and we'll get into this practical application, but again, just trying to encourage us to realize in a world that we want to think about ourselves and how does our actions and our goals and our life affect us, could it possibly be that, that God is encouraging us to look at how do we sacrifice some of our own desires to protect others in this process of God working something through somebody else's life? So the number one point that I wanted to make in Joseph's life was his ability to come alongside and support Mary's calling. You know, in a culture, we, we are becoming less male-centric and less, you know, patriarchal in, in, a, in a way. But even more so in a Jewish culture, it was very patriarchal and it was very male-centric. And yet Joseph knew how to humble himself and come alongside Mary. And I would say for us guys who, who may be a little bit self-centered, I would say maybe it's a good time to have a reflection saying, God, what are you doing in my spouse's life? I'm speaking from a guy, but maybe girls, you can say, women, you can say the same thing. But I think for us guys, we can be kind of self-centered and realize we want people to look after our needs. But what if we said, God, what are you doing in the lives of those around us? And I would say specifically our spouses. And if you don't have a spouse and if maybe you're younger, maybe it's a sibling, God, what are you doing in my sibling's life? And how do I come to this place of supporting my sibling. I know it's kind of hard to think that you would be there to support your sibling, right? I know, I'm looking at siblings. I'm looking at you. But maybe, God, maybe God's going to use you to come along outside as a support, and so maybe it requires you to not think about yourself as much. The next part is, is Joseph had a level of humility about him. And I'm, I'm looking as we're going through these characters of how God used people, I'm seeing a constant theme of humility. And, and I'm really becoming very attracted to that quality because, because it seems like the Holy Spirit uses people who are yielded to the things of God, who are yielded to, like, so he had an angelic visitation, but you'd think, okay, well, if I had an angelic visitation that I, I would yield to it, but, but would we, right? Or would we just start talking about, you wouldn't believe what just happened to me and forget the whole point of the angelic message, right? And, and the angel told Joseph, it's okay, marry her. You know, take her as your wife. 
And by the way, she's going to give birth to a, a savior and, and call him Jesus. And it, we don't read a lot about this, but I don't see anything here that he starts debating with the angel. I just say, okay, here I am. Remember last week, pick me, Mary, pick me. Here I am, pick me. Joseph has the same humility about him. And he accepts even the unknown. And I, and I wonder in our culture where we love to have planning. We love to be in the knowing. We don't want to put ourselves in a place of vulnerability. And yet, I, I wonder if this, we, the, the Lord is encouraging us or teaching us to say, would you just trust? Because faith is realizing that we don't have everything planned out. And faith is realizing that we put our trust in somebody who is faithful, even though we don't know the plan. I think faith, we, we love to talk about faith because it says without faith it's impossible to please God. And, and as if like it's some magic potion that we go, there's faith for everybody. Let's have more faith. Ah, oh, faith. No, actually faith is, is believing in the one who is faithful. In meaning that we can come alongside and say, God, I don't understand your plan. I don't understand what's being unfolded here right now. All I know, like Joseph saying, all I know is I've had an angel visitation. Somehow Mary's pregnant. And I know we're going to go for a wild ride here because this seems crazy. And yet he says, okay, I'll do what you say. Are we at that place where we can have that faithful relationship with, with the Father when the Holy Spirit um, speaks it? We don't have all the answers and say, okay, I just trust you. I just trust you that I'm going to take this one step because that's all I know what's in front of me. I'll just take this one step. And he comes through and, and says, yes. See, I think humility also has to put away side these, the, our own expectations, our own fears. And we, we embrace God's plan and purposes more than we succumb to our own goals, our own objectives in life, and our own feelings. And we say, God, we're moving forward, and we just trust you. Next, we realize that that Joseph, there's a quality in Joseph's life that he realized that his life was not his own. When's the last time you woke up and just said, God, my, my life is not my own? That, that even though I've gone to university, even though I've gone to this school, even though I'm making a choice to marry this person, that, that you come to a place of humility and saying, it's, it's, my life is not my own. My life is really here to be a humble servant of you, God, that, that I am an ambassador of Jesus Christ, that really I'm in the Lord's army and he is, has a plan and a purpose for me. And so I'm going to die to some of my own wishes and dreams and goals and to say, God, place your wishes and dreams and goals in my heart, and I respond to that. You know, our, our culture wants to tell us, you know, this is how you achieve, this is how you find success, and we just kind of, you know, go through life with just some metrics. I gotta buy a house, I gotta marry, I gotta get a good job, I gotta save for retirement. You've heard, heard me say this before, but really God is saying, would you allow me to interject into your life and would you hear my voice and would you be obedient to what I'm saying? And, and Joseph had that happen, like some, something just like interjected into his life and he realized that, that he, had to, he had a choice. He had a choice to say yes, or he had a choice to run away. I, that's why I think Judas, he had a choice. I think Jesus was hopeful that, that Judas would make the right choice. 
And yet, Judas, that's the gift that God's given us, free will. And, and Joseph responded in a way, and I think it's out of humility. I think it's out of realizing that it's, it's again, like what Mary's approach is, not my will, but your will be done. But I think when you look at Joseph's life, this idea that he was able to come alongside Mary, he was able to come alongside God's purposes, and he realized that he was being invited into a divine story that was being unfolded. And I think it's easy to look at this and say, well, that was the birth of Jesus, but I, but I, I want to let you know that, that Jesus is wanting to work through each one of you. That, that he is, has a plan and a purpose for you to be alive today. He's placed you in the state of New Hampshire. He's placed you in the town that you're in. He's placed you wherever you are, the jobs that you're in. It's not by accident that he's working in and through you and he's looking for us to be open and, and available to him. But it means there's a level of humility. That means we have to be aware of what God is also doing in and through other people. Life lessons, real quick, really practical. Number one, so I'm going to read for you eight life lessons from Joseph's life from even that one account in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 24. And what I want you to do is I want you to just pick one. You can listen to them, but I just want you to pick one that I'm going to read. So maybe you jot them down, and then once I get to that eight, you're going to find one that you're going to circle and say, this is what God is speaking to me. Remember, as Peter mentioned, that the Holy Spirit is teaching us. So this is not here just to hear a good message. This is here to say, what is the Spirit of God wanting to say to me today? Eight things, here we go. Number one, faithful support and understanding. So here's the application. So Joseph was faithful in supporting Mary and he had a level of understanding. Be supportive and understanding in relationships. Even in challenging situations. See, Joseph's support for Mary, despite all the social norms and the confusion, teaches us to approach difficulties with empathy and trust. Can you come alongside somebody else and take a supportive role and not feel like you, the world needs to revolve around you? Number two, humility and acceptance of the unknown. Embrace humility when faced with uncertainties or un unexpected circumstances. See, Joseph's humility, despite him knowing the unfolding of this plan, that God's plan fully understanding it, he realized that he needed to trust in God that was higher than him, more powerful than him, that he could see his perspective was different than Joseph's. So can you embrace humility in when there's unknown things and just saying, I submit to you, God. Your ways are not my ways, but I choose to trust you. Number three, obedience to God's guidance. Obedience to God's guidance. You writing some of these down? Take notes on your phone. Be open to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The beautiful thing of when Jesus said it's good for him to go is why he said it was good for him to leave the earth is because he's going to give us the Holy Spirit, which meant that God's presence would be resting with everybody at all times. Those who have received Jesus into their life 
that the Holy Spirit now has access to guide you and to direct you. And are you willing to say, my life is not my own. I'm willing to have the Holy Spirit guide me and direct me. And I want to be obedient to that. And I think that's, willingness is one thing. Obedience is another thing. I I felt like as I just said obedience, there's uh, uh, little flashing lights that are going on over people's heads right now. Because I think we all have those little nudges like, okay, I, sh- I should do this. But then we, we don't move forward into I should to saying I will. That's obedience. Follow through. Number four, selfless and sacrifice. Practice selflessness by prioritizing others' well-being over personal desires and comfort. Joseph was willing to do that. He, he knew that people would be talking about him. And yet he chose to say, you know what? I, I need to care for Mary. I, I'm caring for Mary's well-being over I'm caring for, for my own. He was almost like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shield Mary from this disgrace. I want to take this of, of learning how to have selfless and sacrificial love. When's the last time that you said, I'm going to put somebody else's needs above my own? Would you follow through in that? Practice it. Practice it. Number five. Recognize life's purposes beyond personal goals. We love to be achievers, right, in in society. We we pick a, a word, theme of the year. We set goals. I know I do. I set goals. I love goals. But, but sometimes the goals can, can get in the way of listening to what the Spirit of God is wanting to say. And so we have to say, God, I, I allow you permission to interrupt my life's plans at any moment in time. Now, we hope, we pray through, and we set plans. You know, as we're coming into the new year, we're going to be thinking about the new year, and we're going to set goals and resolutions. But, but are we still willing to... Let God be spontaneous with us. I, I was just thinking about this. We, Audrey and I love, we do Financial Peace University. We do every dollar on the app. We budget well and, and we tell every dollar where it's going to go so we don't overspend. And, and yet even that is good, but yet that goal itself could get in the way of when the Spirit of God is breathing, say give in this way. Wait a second, God, but that's not in our budget. That's okay, give, because I'm, I'm asking you to do this. Right? Can we trust him in those areas? Recognize life's purpose beyond personal goals. Number three, this is talking about trusting. Trusting in God's plan. Develop trust and faith in God's plan. See, I think faith, we need to reorient ourselves a little bit to faith. We need to understand that, yes, we need to have faith, but, but get to know the one who is faithful that we can put our trust in him, that when he asks us to do things that are beyond our understanding, that we can trust that if he's asking us to do it, he's got a plan. He's gonna look after us. Number seven, cultivate patience and resilience. Joseph faced numerous unexpected events. You remember after Jesus was born, he had to escape actually through another uh, angelic visitation, told him they they needed to escape because um, Herod was going to 
go after these, after these babies. All these challenging times, I, I, I believe that there is something that Joseph needed to have a level of calm. I don't, I don't see Joseph being frantic. I see him steadfast. I see him patient. I see him resilient. And maybe for each one of us, I, I think, I know for me, when the world can seem pretty tumultuous, it can get pretty excitable. And we can kind of like start talking about world events and we can start like hypening things up and we kind of like get anxious and all of a sudden we'd say, wait a second, why don't we just cultivate patience and resilience and just focus on peace? Number eight, living a life of integrity and righteousness. You know, the scripture says that he was a righteous man. And I think we talk about grace and we're called Grace Capital Church and, and, and I think we don't want, we, we're so afraid to be con considered legalistic maybe that we kind of get a little sloppy on this righteousness thing or, or morality I would say and, and we just like, we just don't want to be moral people, we just want to be Jesus people, I get that. But, but Jesus is, and we say it's Jesus righteous, none of us are righteous on our own, it's true, it's true, all that's true. But I think he asks us to pursue holiness. He says, be holy for I am holy. What does that mean, holy? This part of holiness is separated, separated from the world. Not, not meaning like you can't be in the world, be in the world, but not of the world, right? There's, there's a sense of um, pursuing Christ-likeness. It's his righteousness in us, yes, but we are to pursue righteousness. And I think he modeled this, this righteousness for us, um, Joseph did. And I think, I know I've been challenged a little bit more for that because I, I've struggled against, um, like chafing against legalism. I, I can't stand legalism. And, and yet I also know that Christ has given us a lot of freedom, but in that freedom, does that ever get to the place that it takes us away from, from God's righteousness, the right living that he wants us to have? So eight things. I mentioned eight things. What's the one thing that is sticking out to you? What's the one thing that's sticking out to you? Write that down. Put in your notes. Lastly, I know you're all wondering, how old was Joseph? I'll tell you how old Joseph was. Not specifically, but generally. In many, in many things, nativity scenes, you'll see Joseph look, looking much, much older than Mary. And he pro oh, definitely was older than Mary. Mary was 13 to 16, right? But we know a few facts. One, that he was going to Bethlehem to, because there's a census and he needed to register. So he's at least 18. So we know Joseph is not younger than 18. Got that one. We also know life expectancy was probably 45 to 55 in that era because of uh, they would say during that time of, of child mortality, they can see what life expectancy would going to be. So 45 to 55 was probably life expectancy. We don't know much about Joseph. He probably wasn't around when Jesus was crucified at the age of 33. But what we do know is Joseph was around when he was, when Jesus was 12 years old because his family, Jesus' family went to worship. And uh, this was where Jesus stayed behind and was 
in the in the temple and Mary and Joseph got panicked because Jesus wasn't with a caravan. So we do know at 12 years old that Joseph was still alive. So if that's the case, Joseph probably uh, at that point in time would have been in his mid-30s. So you, you guess how old Joseph was when he first um, married Mary. Anywhere between, I would say, 20 and maybe 25 is probably his age. So it's hypothetical. He doesn't really say in the, in the scripture, but I thought that was a little bit of trivia for you as you were pondering one of those eight things that you're going to walk out with here today. Well, let's pray. Father, I am just asking that your Holy Spirit would confirm and would speak to each of our hearts on one of those eight things that we learned from Joseph's life. Maybe, Father, it's humility, or maybe it's uh, righteousness, or maybe it's resilience, Lord Jesus, or, or maybe it's the idea of thinking of somebody else's calling and really becoming a support to it. Maybe, Father, it's humility or, or obedience to God's divine plan. Maybe, Lord, you've been tugging on somebody's heart to, to obey in a certain area and they haven't done it yet. And today, they're determined this week is their week they're going to follow in obedience to your call. Father, I pray that we would just focus on you, Lord Jesus, that we would allow your character to develop in us, that we would say yes to your unfolding plan and in through our lives. Thank you, Father, for using great people like Mary, for Joseph, for birthing our Savior, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to the earth, not only to show us to our Father, but for going to the cross to take care of our sin, that we are forever forgiven because of the work you've done on the cross. Lord Jesus, that we, you say that if we come to you and if we um, ask you into our lives and we repent of our sins, you're faithful to save us, Lord Jesus. Thank you for saving us. Father, we just pray that we would be faithful to you during this holiday season and forevermore, Lord Jesus, that we would say yes to your divine calling and purpose in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for watching us online. We're so glad that you joined us. We trust that Jesus has spoken to your heart and you've been challenged by his word. If you'd like to know more information about Grace Capital Church, please visit us at gccnh.com. We'll see you next time.